Welcome, cowboys and cowgirls, to the first episode of Cinema at the OK Corral. I'm your co-host, Logan, here with Ryan. How's it going? Good. Ready to giddy up, episode one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so our our uh, first film that we watched was uh, one of the greatest westerns of all time, if not the greatest called uh, Stagecoach, starring John Wayne. And a little history on the film um, before we get into talking about it, diving into it and everything. Um, It was made in 1939, so that year was probably one of the most influential years in in filmmaking history. Uh, It had... Let's see, 10 films nominated for Best Picture, including Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and, of course, Stagecoach as well. Um, it, it had, 1939 was just a great year in, in, in film history. Um, but Stagecoach had seven nominations altogether, Oscar nominations. They won two of them. They won uh, Best Music and or Score, and they also won uh, for Best Supporting Actor, Thomas Mitchell, who plays Doc Boone. I think uh, that's probably both of our favorite, <laughs> our, our favorite character oh, yeah. in, the, in the film. But um, it's pretty, pretty cool. Thomas Mitchell, he plays Doc Boone. He was also in Gone with the Wind. He played... Um, Scarlett O'Hara's father in that film. And he was also in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which were all <laughs> came out the same year. So uh, pretty he, impressive. He was busy. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about it. Imagine an actor today, like a Tom Hanks being in three films all in one year that are, were nominated and are known for being great films, you know. Uh, that, sure, I mean, he could he could do it. Yeah. He's got a new World War II uh, movie, but it's like only on Apple. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, so, but... It, but it's, it's, yeah. it's hard nowadays for, like, they have to... Filming takes, you know, forever nowadays, too. So it's just that it, it's, a, it's a rare feat to... To be in that many, you know, award-winning yeah. movies, That's awesome, or critically acclaimed movies. Um, so yeah, he's he's probably both of our favorite character, Doc Boone, in it. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> the the drunk doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a fellow by the name of Hatfield in the movie, um, and he's played by. John Carradine, who, if you uh, know that last name, it's it's David Carradine's father, who was the kung fu guy in uh, Bill, I guess, in Kill Bill. Um, and he's also the father of Robert Carradine, who was one of the nerds in Revenge of the Nerds. But kind of going... F- 
you know, full circle. So, uh, John Carradine is in the movie that kind of made John Wayne into this big star. And then 33 years later, uh, his son, Robert, his first starring role was in the movie The Cowboys, which was one of John Wayne's last films and another really great Western. Um, that was one of his last last John Wayne movies? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, he, he made maybe six or seven more after that, but... Um, but a couple of them weren't even like westerns. There were a couple of like where he's trying to be in a uh, dirty hairy type oh, cop I see. type thing. But um and then we got John Ford. John Ford was he he wanted John Wayne for this role. He thought John Wayne would be perfect for it and that he would become a star and he was right. I mean, this this film kind of put John Wayne on the map. He was more of a B movie star type type guy, not not a mainstream guy. And this put him closer to being in the in the Duke status. Um, ironically enough, the movie was not all that high of a grossing film. Like it wasn't even in the top ten. There were two other westerns that were in the top ten um, for for uh, money, but um, it was like an instant uh, hit with the critics and stuff like that. And they really liked John Wayne's performance in it. So uh, John Ford was was right he, he on his on his hunch about John Wayne. John John Ford seemed like a fantastic director. So I was watching um, the movie uh, uh, Midway, like the recent one, um, and it it showed it showed a scene of him like you know in the Pacific, like setting up the shots and stuff while getting fired at. He's yeah. like keep keep rolling, keep rolling. <laughs> it was like that's pretty impressive that he's that dedicated to like like documenting the war in the exactly. Pacific. Um, and just film films in general, it's pretty cool. Yeah, he had he had. I mean, he <clears throat> kind of the style that he had was like um, you could definitely tell how people nowadays have have got stuff from him. Like you can't tell me Michael Bay isn't a huge fan of John Ford because of John Ford's like action sequences and stuff like that. So oh. these these big name directors nowadays that are known for their action movies, they have to have enjoyed watching John Ford movies like, like this one. And you can count on like, you know, like Tarantino being a John Ford fan. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's just a film nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Ford and Wayne, they ended up making 10 movies um, or another 10 movies. So 11 total after Stagecoach, um, probably, the two most famous ones would be The Quiet Man, which is probably John Wayne's best film. Um, yeah, I, 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 The Quiet Man is awesome. <laughs> Western or non-Western, it's it's probably his best film. Yeah. And then they also did The Searchers together, which I'm sure we'll be uh, watching at some point. 
uh, for this podcast. So yeah, we're going to try to do this like once a month. Yeah. Shoot for it. Yeah. Try to watch one movie a month. Yeah. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll hopefully get another one out, uh, by, by the end of August or something like that. Um, or midway through August. So, well, a little fun fact about our host extraordinaire. He's got a, he's got a baby and baby do. When's that baby do? <laughs> Into September. So, so, um, I'll probably will have, I'll be at home. So I'll be able to watch movies, but I'll also have other duties that will need yeah. to be fulfilled. So daddy duty. Yeah. Duty. Just, <laughs> <clears throat> but, um, so yeah, let, let's go ahead and, uh, get into stagecoach in the movie, um, with everything. Uh, I kind of wanted to go over like basically just time lapse it in a way, but, um, well, I've got the, their IMDB page. You want me to read the yeah, description? Yeah. yeah so on uh, the IMDb description uh, of the the movie and the the poster is real neat looking too. It's just got you know the the horses and the obviously the stagecoach. So cool poster artwork. <laughs> um, so it says here a group of people traveling on a stagecoach find their journey complicated by the threat of Geronimo and learning something about each other in the process. And it, IMDb gives it seven point nine out of ten stars, um, which. We're going to talk about our own <laughs> proprietary rating system at the end of this, and we'll 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 give each movie our 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 rating at the you know after we've discussed it. But uh, that's yeah, that was just what IMDb said about it. Yeah, I I'm uh I would I would probably give it a little bit more than a than a seven almost eight score myself, but um, if going off IMDb's type rating, yeah. but um. So the first thing you see, of course, is the title sequence and everything like that. And, um, you know, this era making movies was just, it's a lot cooler. And yeah, it, it seems like, um, at least a, to me, it was a style of that, that, that period. I mean, like, um, like you were saying the, you know, the opening sequence and stuff, like it has, so it has stagecoach in like a Western font type and it has it in double quotes. Right. And I was, we had talked about this before, but I was like wondering when, when they decided to drop the putting movie titles in double quotes. <laughs> I actually kind of like it. Yeah, I did too. I, we were talking earlier. I, I was making joke, like, uh, I wonder who did all the editing and, and did all the font work for, for this, if it was Doctor Evil or something like that, because you know it's Stagecoach Magma Coach. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, like you said, it's it's a classic Western, you know, font and everything like that. It 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 right away kind of gets you hyped up to see what what's going on with the movie, you know, um, and the. I mean, there's a reason, too, but the score's great throughout it, so, you know, there's there's a lot of, like, um, the background music is, is really gets oh, you in the, in the mood yeah, for it, it too, is, you know? It's hype. It's <clears throat> fire, as the, <laughs> as the kids say. 
I think it's <laughs> slaps or smacks or something. Um, yeah. One of those. <laughs> it does some kind of violent thing now. <laughs> yeah. But um, so you get get through that, and then the first first thing you see is the cavalry uh, cutting across the desert, and then also Geronimo and and the Apaches cutting across the desert as well, and 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 a stagecoach doing the same thing. So it, it like I said, it, it it gets you kind of set up to where you where you think you you're gonna know what you this see, movie is about. See where it's heading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um but the first like little scene they have um they're at camp or whatever and they're trying to get this telegram uh to read it, but of course the Apaches cut the line, so the only word that you see is Geronimo and like that Scares the crap out of everyone, of course, because Geronimo was a, a pretty solid uh, strategist and everything else, you know. Yeah, and you had, um, during that scene, you had the, that Cheyenne Indian, and you're like, <laughs> the Cheyennes hate the Apaches more than we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize, I guess, how much, how hard those tribes beefed against one another. I, I always feel like Indians are just... <laughs> One in the same or something, yeah. but yeah, that that was the funny thing. It was like, should this guy be hearing this? And they're like, he hates them worse than we do. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, fine, then. we good then. But um, so they keep on going. Uh, really, the the list of characters that you have and everything <clears throat> are um, Buck, who's the stagecoach uh, driver is the first one that you see and um and then you see him unloading people from the stagecoach and one of them is Miss Mallory who's like the wife of a cavalry lieutenant or something like that making her way to the to to her husband you know um but he bucks Buck said something funny to her, um, <laughs> getting out, you know, from the stagecoach of, um, he, he said something that was quite, that could be taken quite offensive. Yeah. So th- this, this one oh, made me LOL right <laughs> out of the gate. Um, he, he's, he's getting, he's helping all the ladies off the wagon and he's like, well, Oh, there's just Miss Mallory, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so he's he goes, "You better get out and stretch your legs or, or your limbs, ma'am." <laughs> and, and I'm like, and we, you had mentioned this in some other movie where, like, saying legs, the word legs was like a, a offensive. Yeah, like to for you shouldn't be so vulgar around a lady to say the word legs. <laughs> get them nice long legs. <laughs> Limbs only, good sir. Like, um, I think it was in McClintock where McClintock was drunk, and he was saying, "Well, you can't walk on one leg, ma'am." And then he's like, "I didn't mean to be vulgar. Can't walk one limb." <laughs> but I wonder how. I wonder when that kind of changed too, because that was obviously like 
was, something that that was done back then. But I wonder when that changed. When people were like, you know what, just say legs. It, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, we've we've the, uh, we've evolved a bit, <laughs> right? So you see those two, Buck and Miss Mallory, and then Hatfield comes in, and Hatfield's uh, I don't know. To me, he right away he he looks kind of shady. He he's got that gambler look to him, you know. Like he, like he hates the McCoys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's about to do some some damage to a McCoy, and um, all throughout the movie, like he's he portrays himself as this southern gentleman, but he's also kind of a shady trickster. Yeah, I I wrote down like his facial hair made him look like a magician. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, he could just as easily have a frontier of a magic show. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's one thing I know, it's never trust a magician. <laughs> but, um, so then, um, uh, those, those three, uh, are the first, like, main characters that, that show up. And then Buck goes in to see the sheriff, Curly, and, um, he needs a shotgun or something. And, um, you know, because that one shotgun will will help protect you against a, a war path party or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but they're talking about going to, uh, where's the last stop? Uh, Lordsburg. Lordsburg. Yep. And um, that's the destination. Yeah, that's <laughs> the last stop. That's in New, New Mexico, I, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, um, so Curly starts, or I think it's Buck, starts talking about the plumber boys and how terrible they are and, and you know, rough and rowdy they are. And um, Curly starts thinking about the Ringo Kid, who's played by John Wayne. And, um, you know, John Wayne's got a, a bounty on him for killing somebody. Um, and he broke out of jail. But the funny thing is, is they, they're talking and they say, oh, yeah, the Ringo kid busts out of jail. And then Buck's like, oh, well, good for him. That's like, he's such a nice young boy, you know, breaking out of good jail. <laughs> yeah. They like, it just seemed it's, it's so different, you know. Yeah, the law enforcement back then, uh, had, there was a lot of leeway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um but Buck's, I, I believe it's Buck says something about seeing uh, the Ringo kid, and so Curly has the idea of, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join you in this, on this route, so I can get the bounty for the Ringo kid and bring him back to um, jail. Then, the, uh, so that's what one, two, three, four. Four of the the main characters. Then you see Gatewood, the banker. Oh yeah, he's another sketchy dude. Um, always talking about you know, he's, always talking about politics he's and a, a very uh, uptight. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah he's super uptight and uh, has like no regard for anyone else but himself. Uh, kind of a selfish jerk of a person and there's 
there's like two two scenes. There's one where uh, I think they're giving him Wells Fargo is giving him like a bank deposit. Oh, it's the payroll. Yeah, yeah the payroll. Yeah. And um, like he takes it and gives him the receipt and everything. And then there's this big close up on him, you know, and you're like, hmm, okay, something's going to happen with him because they closed up on his face. So, and it's really awkward and weird looking. So, yeah. clearly something's going to happen. Long pause. Yeah. <laughs> And then it happens again. He gives money to to someone, I think his wife, and like same thing happens. They do another extreme close up on him, (laughs) 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 and it's like, okay, we get it. He he's something's going on here with him. Yeah. So he he ends up joining the the stagecoach crew, and then we get to. Um, Dallas, who's the hooker with the heart of gold. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's getting kicked out of the town due to her uh, ways, I guess. Um, well, she is a smoke show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know she's she's getting kicked out of the town due to the uh, uh, what was the name of that of that. Group, uh, uh, it's the the ladies of Law and Order League. Yeah, so basically the Karens. <laughs> yeah, the Karens were were cleaning up. What I had here, and we watched this like just a, a while ago. But yeah, Doc and Dallas are being like basically kicked out of the town. Yeah, because the Karens. <laughs> or not having it, and he he calls them. He refers to them as being the dregs of the town. And he's like, "Well, just be like me and, and be a proud dreg." <laughs> like, oh, let's go. He's he said something uh, uh, about like um, they had social prejudices against Dallas and Doc Boone. You know, yeah, because they they just disagreed with their right. lifestyle. You're right. Yeah, and you know. Uh, Doc Boone's probably drunk while while this is going on too, but he they both get kicked out, and um, then you know they're they're waiting on the stagecoach, and so Doc Boone goes into the bar for one last drink, and um, meets quite possibly his his favorite oh, person his, his ever, BFF. yeah, <laughs> Mister Peacock. Who he calls Reverend or Hickok or Hancock, Hancock. or yeah, they can't anything. His name right. <laughs> like poor, poor Mister Peacock. No one can remember his name, and he's I know your name. <laughs> he's probably the nicest guy in the whole film, and no one cares. But um, why Doc Boone loves him so much um, is because Mister Peacock is a whiskey peddler basically drummer Drummer. and um so and he's he's getting on the stagecoach too so they're that's the the main group of them that are doc and hancock peacock reverend whiskey man (laughs) are down like four flat tires (laughs) they yeah they are he is quite in love with with him 
Um, and throughout the movie, he's like taking care and care of him, and like wiping his face, wiping his face off when it's hot out, and Doc's drunk as can be, and he's just smiling and taking care he's of his precious tenderly, <laughs> yes, to his needs. He's he's got you know he's got to keep him close because he is the supplier of the booze. <laughs> <laughs> Doc loves the liquor, and and um, you know. Like I said, Peacock is probably the nicest person in the film and has, like, the best moral compass throughout the entire film. And they just... Yeah. they It was an assortment of, yeah. <laughs> of, of characters that in this small stagecoach. And then they, they just, like, treat them like dirt, basically. So they all are uh, taking off... Um, and it was funny um, because Doc, while they were leaving, does something. They all get into the stagecoach and they're about to leave. And Doc sticks his head out the window and says, like, goodbye to the League of Extraordinary Karens. <laughs> and, um, like, you see him start to put his hand up to his face. And then it just cuts to the to the uh, to the, all the ladies, and they like start clutching their pearls. Catch the vapors, yeah. They're, <laughs> oh dearie, you know. Heavens. And there like used to be something where you like put your thumb to your nose, and it was basically like giving people the middle finger before the middle finger type of thing. So old timey like offensive gesturing, right? Yeah. And so they were, of course. Super glad to have a person with such vile character like that leave their their prosperous and peaceful town, you know. Yeah, the the things that they would get offended about <laughs> seem funny all these years later, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but they um, you know, they're they're out driving. They're out on the open range, and of course, they know about the potential dangers of the Apaches and the Geronimo and and everything like that. There, there was probably just not even that. There's bandits and everything else. So it was a rough, a rough road ahead of them. Yeah, they they were very well aware of the danger that they were putting themselves in. Mm-hmm. They, they had to do like a, a couple of check ins, but they were like, "All right, are you sure?" <laughs> And then oh, oh, one thing when when they're asking you like are you sure you want to go uh-huh. Dallas was like oh, there's worse things than Apaches and then it cuts <laughs> to the, uh, the 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 Cairns the League of uh-huh. yeah. yeah Cairns I thought that was funny <laughs> but they get on the road and and they start driving and um, Buck made a funny thing where he you know he took the stagecoach job just so he could get married to his his senorita wife. And, um, you know, that was like 10 years ago, and he's still doing it. Like, he he didn't picture himself being a stagecoach driver. You know, it's like someone being a cab driver and being like, oh, I'll just do it for like six months. Yeah, and then it's, it's hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah, 25 years later. Yeah. But um, he starts talking about, like, he has to support like half of the 
like all of his family and everything like that and all the thanks that he gets is just beans. He just gets beans, 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 beans. beans. He calls them frijole beans, which are, which is beans. <laughs> so beans, beans, <laughs> the beans that are beans. It was, it was like uh, repetitive or, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. redundant. Yeah. It made me think of like, oh man, he probably had some gnarly <laughs> farts. Like in, like in the, the blazing saddles and they're around the campfire and they're all just farting like crazy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, another great like Western com like so. There's a lane right for Western comedies. Oh yeah, for sure. You, you, yeah, I think I, that's something I, I definitely want to yeah mix, they, throw in the mix here. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this one is mostly serious. Like yeah. Doc Doc Boone's character is mostly a joke. It's, it's serious, but it's got some much funny uh, <laughs> parts. But yeah, there there's definitely some some fun comedy westerns out there as well Mm -hmm. uh blazing saddles probably being the funniest but um the interesting thing is is so we're like 18 minutes into the movie john wayne has yet to appear in said movie and you've barely character right the 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 leading man of the movie is you know not to be found and they they finally get you know get to him and uh he shows up what what is the 1830 yeah. mark yeah i paused it right at 18 minutes 30 seconds in and uh i think you pointed out cuz we had talked about this before like how how he was uh shot like the camera goes in for a close up but it's it's out of focus and then when it gets to his close up the camera focuses up it's pretty cool yeah that's like the a real famous scene and he's he's there twirling his his Winchester rifle with that weird handle or whatever. Um is that a bolt action do they call that with the No it was some kind of yeah, I don't even know what it was, but um yeah it's a really it, cool way of <laughs> being introduced. So he yeah, he does this iconic shot and everything like that and but it was it was really like a power move, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, he's he's not even a star yet. Uh, like John Wayne isn't, but and he's, he's in, at this point in thirty nine. He's in his thirty early thirties. Yeah, he's like thirty two years old 32. or something like that. Which know? is kind of funny considering his nickname Ringo Kid. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh-huh. not a kid, it's a man. <laughs> the kid, he, he would the kid. He would almost be dead uh, in in the, this time period. Yeah. Like if he, he lived, was lived a long yeah. life, <laughs> <laughs> he already had like fifteen years of of ranching and everything. But um, so they he finally shows up, and then of course Curly finds him, and he's really happy because he's he's able to get that bounty on him that like he wanted, but. Um, Throughout the movie, you start to realize, like, Curly was John Wayne's parent or father and and brother were killed. And uh, I believe by the plumbers, actually. And um, he's got to get to Lordsburg. Yeah. And so he's he he needs to get to Lordsburg to get his his vigilante justice (laughs) on on these plumber boys. But um you know, you, you, throughout the movie, you start to realize, like, Curly 
actually has a real soft spot for John Wayne, and he doesn't think that he's like should be in jail. It's just he he has to do what you know what the law is telling him to do and collect a little bounty for him. And at the same time, no one gives John Wayne a chance to kill all of the plumber boys. Like, no one throughout the entire movie. Was, I just thought of uh, the Dewey Cox story where his wife is always like, you're never going to make it, you know. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I have a number one hit record, yeah. but you're never going to make it. <laughs> you I'm know? 15 years old now. Why? I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, they just trash on him the whole time, and it's it's like, man, get, give the man a chance. Yeah. But, um, so, and Curly's there just more to protect him. That's why he wants him back in jail uh, more than anything. Yeah, we were talking to him. I mean, like, as the movie goes on, I mean, he has plenty of opportunity to, like, escape and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even Dallas is like, you can go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. No, I gotta, I gotta get square with them plumber boys. <laughs> and but he, he, there is at one point he he is about to leave and like give it all up, and like, but he gets stopped because yeah. they start to see smoke signals and realize, uh oh, well, I can't go that way due to <laughs> uh, Geronimo yeah. and his his pals, so. Um, yeah, and we we're even talking like there's so many tense scenes throughout this um movie between and it's usually Gatewood, the banker or Hatfield like starting something it's with bringing the tension. Yeah, and like they um they would call it toxic masculinity today, <laughs> I think. Oh, of course. But um it was, it's just all the time they they were they were just trying to start something but um you know Dallas is treated differently than Miss Mallory so Hat, Hat, Hatfield this is kind of rewinding a bit but Hatfield joined the stagecoach was it to look after Dallas and Miss Mallory or what was that well, was his I, I think it was yeah I think it was to kind of protect them. see Miss Mallory but I also wonder like protect her but I also wonder if he you know, he he seemed like a con artist. Like he's a he's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. So So there had to be some other Yeah, and it doesn't really go much into it. Yeah. Like he, he talks about fighting for the Confederacy and all this kind of stuff. And I just wonder if any of it was even true and if he was just kinda looking to he knew who Mallory was um, like her father served for the Confederacy too, and probably had a lot of money and stuff like that. So that 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 kind of made me think. Like, I wonder if he's just doing this to see if he can get if he can get something out of her, out of her, or if he's like actually doing a noble thing or not. You know? Yeah, it kind of makes you think not. Yeah. <laughs> They don't. They don't really pin down like what year this is, but this is definitely post Civil War. Yeah, like yeah. the Civil War is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and on on that point, like uh, so, Doc is talking about, 
you know, they're, they're reevaluating should they keep going on because mm-hmm. like they, the Calvary was kind of like, we might, <laughs> we might just peace out on you guys. Yeah. We're, we're not going to help you. So they're, they know they're, they know like the danger, but he's talking about, well, I've, you know, I've, I served during the war under Abraham Lincoln and Philip Sheridan. And so, um, I looked up Philip Sheridan, like a real nerd <laughs> and um just some fun facts about him let me, let me open this up real quick um okay so real quick just about philip sheridan you know he was a general in the civil war um in 1864 he defeated the confederate forces uh in the shenandoah valley and um mentions here that he was instrumental in um the surrender of, you know, the, the Confederates, Robert E. Lee and at Appomattox. Mm-hmm. So fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that brings tension too, because I, you know, I guess Hitchcock or, uh, uh, Hatfield, Hatfield. um, yeah. was fighting for, for the Confederates, himself, yeah. you know? And so Doc Boone's drunk and talking about how he, fought for Abraham Lincoln and, and general yeah, Sh- Sheldon <laughs> and he's super proud of it. And he has one of his old, um, buddies from the union is there with him and they're, they're getting drunk at, at one stop and, you know, Hatfield just gives them like an eye roll kind of thing. Yeah. So they, there was like a, there was bound to be a hatred for those between those two guys as, as it was, you know, just because of that. But, um, yeah, they, they end up, um, they end up going to, let's see. Yeah. So they end up going to, um, at this one stop and Miss Mallory, the whole time she's talking about getting back to her husband, the Lieutenant and, on and on and on and on and on. It's like I have to get back to my husband. I have to get the husband. Get it. All right. All right. Fine. Go. You know. Creepers. And yeah, this guy must be really, really great. Yeah, I had so Gratwood's on his on another soapbox rants, and he he mentions at one point he's like, "What's his country needs is a businessman for president." It's like. Well, it took a while, but we, <laughs> yeah. we, we finally got one. <laughs> this is probably like, you know, 1870s sometime. So it it, it took about 150 years, but... Uh, we eventually got one. Yeah, they, they finally did it. But um, yeah, and, and Gatewood's always going on about like, you know, what he, th- how he thinks the country should be going on and, and you know... Everything is like illegal to him or whatever, you know, it's like the Calvary, like you said, they, they have to leave, you know, uh, and go scout out or whatever. So the stagecoach is unprotected and Gatewood's like, this is an atrocity. How did it, how dare they leave us? So they can't, that is illegal. And it's like. Okay. All right. We get it. You're, we you're, get it, guy. You're, you're entitled. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so they um they end up splitting up, and um, the, all the while too, like the the first time that they split up from the Calvary, they sit down to eat, and they're all going on about like 
should we stay, you know, or should we keep going or should we turn back or, or what? And, um, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. (laughs) And Miss Mallory is, is treated like the Southern Belle lady that she is. And then Dallas is like treated like a dog, except for by John Wayne. John Wayne's attentive to every care and need that she has, you know, and um, you could tell that there's some sparks flying between the two of them. Yeah, I had uh, I had noticed that like there was a lot of like manner checking yeah. <laughs> going on. It was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. <laughs> you know, you need to ask the ladies first. Mm-hmm. And like that happened like a couple of times. Yeah, they even there's the one time where um, Hatfield's like asked Miss Mallory if she wants something to a drink or whatever and then he's just he busts out this silver cup for her and all this kind of stuff and you know everything's prim and proper yeah and it, and it was it was so funny because it was coming from the outlaws like, yeah oh uh, <laughs> hey dude like mind your manners mm-hmm. right like he he does nothing for no one else it's just like all right miss mallory get some and the rest of you no and so John Wayne has to be like, hey, what about the other lady, you know? Yeah. And um, Dallas picks picks up because she's probably never been called a lady before in her life. Um, and, but, you know, she also shows like she's not pretentious or anything because Hatfield takes away the silver cup for and. John Wayne Ringo, he's just like, sorry, no silver cup for you. And she's like, whatever, I don't care. You know, yeah. she just starts chugging the water, From you this know. Nasty looking, dusty old canteen. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I'll get dysentery either way, you know. <clears throat> um, but um, so they, they stop at this one point and they decide to go on. Um, Peacock makes a funny that he he has a funny line where he uh, mistakes uh, he he kept on saying I would like to go back to the bosom of my family and uh, so and he's always mumbling and stuttering his way and he's nervous and yeah. everything like if there's you know an anxiety disorder it would be him yeah I mean. Yeah, he, he definitely. I don't think Doc could get a diagnosis for him though. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> can't, can't help you there. <laughs> not a not a sober one anyway. Yeah. But he um he makes the joke of I of something like uh, I I feel like we should uh, return to the uh, uh, a bosom or I mean uh like <laughs> return with the yeah. Calvary or whatever he's saying. Big wuss. <laughs> yeah. Such a wuss. But he did like bosoms, so you know okay. you gotta <laughs> got to take the cover of the bag. Yeah, um, yeah. I had so at this point, so this halfway, and I didn't realize this. It took me like I had no idea that Miss Mallory was pregnant. Yeah, like I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know that until like uh, you know she's having, she's starting to have, you know, like going to labor basically. Right. Yeah, and um, Doc is like aggressively trying to sober up counting, <laughs> I, I think we counted like four cups of coffee and they're just yeah. they're pounding the coffee uh-huh. in him, splashing him with water and stuff and half, half feel or 
no, uh, Gratwood, no, it was Hatfield. It's like, is this drunken swine? So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He he wants him to to help Miss Mallard, like because they don't even know. None of the men even know what's what's going on with her when when she. So she like oh, passes right. passes out, and they just take her into a bed. And, I thought and, it was cow and coyotes or something. Yeah, coyotes and, sound like a baby. <laughs> uh, yeah. The baby ends up being called Coyote. Um, but yeah, no one knew like she was pregnant. And um, I mean, she hit it quite well, especially when you see the baby. It's like a, you know, 15 pounder, it looks like. So um, yeah. she, she was hiding it very, very well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think he, uh, I think he calls, calls, uh, I think Hatfield calls Doc a, a, a drunken beast. Or something yeah. like that, you know. They call drunken beast, drunken swine. <laughs> Man, they are really just but like, drunk shaming <laughs> Doc. But he ends up, uh, you know, delivering the baby and doing a pretty good job of it. And uh, for his good work, he and finally being sober, he decides, well, it's time to have a drink now. <laughs> yeah. And um. Like he really had some severe PTSD, you know. Which I mean, he was a soldier in the Civil War, probably a doctor then. So, oh yeah, you can't imagine the things yeah. that he saw. Like the the medics, I mean, they were more just like uh, human butchers than anything. It was just like, yeah. well, uh, we you gotta got to cut it off. Yeah, or sorry about that off, leg. Can we sew it on? Nope. <laughs> and I also love too, like. uh when the babies or Dallas goes into the room with with Doc, and then she comes back out and get goes to Ringo and says, "Ringo, get hot water, lots of hot water." That's like the 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 cure all remedy back in the eighteen hundreds. Was like, "All right, we just need some hot water, and this person will be fine." Yeah, that's all. That's, that's all we need to deliver a baby. <laughs> Well, so one of the, so this, there was Mexican folks at this house and one of them is like, you know, they freak out because uh, one of them is married to a Uh, Apache. Yeah. Yeah. Apache. And Uh and then, so like, I think it was hand stroke peacock (laughs) that was like savage. And then so they're freaking out. She's savage. It's like. That that that's my squad. And he's like, yeah, she's she's a little bit savage, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. The um the the Mexican guy, I think his name was like Chris or something like that in the movie. <laughs> um, randomly, it like you know, uh, but yeah, he he's always going. Oh, I think so. You yeah, know, I think. Cause, Crazy eyes, <laughs> yeah, and he's got the Steve Buscemi just, eyes, <laughs> just looking every which way. <laughs> he, like, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the squirrel over there. Yeah, and his his squaw was a real, a real shyster because she's they start singing this nice, you know, little song, but we find <laughs> out that the reason why is that that's kind of like a distraction strategy, so that they. Steal their spare horses. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's kind of like a dirty trick. All them vaqueros stole all the extra horses. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And then she ends up leaving too um, with her husband's horse. And um, Chris, he's like more sad that 
uh, she stole his horse instead of her actually leaving. He he made it. He said something like, "She, my my wife left, and she took my horse and my my gun." And you know they're like, "Oh, that's that's terrible," you know. And he he's going like, "Yes, I I whip her all the time and." <laughs> And she never complains at all. And they're like, who, your wife? And he's like, no, my horse. Like, He's so saddened that his horse has left him. Oh, man. Such a funny domestic violence joke. <laughs> right. Well, we were, um, you, we were watching this on Amazon Prime. So, like, I, when I was watching it, I had, like, I'm that kind of nerd where I kind of watch with closed caption, even though, like, my hearing is completely fine. Oh, yeah. But, like, the closed captions <laughs> during, like, several points uh, didn't know how to... I could I could hear it fine, but it said, like, mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> like, just can't figure it out. So, yeah. the, then, you you know, um, this Dallas and Ringo Kid's relationship is, is going even even uh stronger or whatever and um the kid is finally born little coyote is finally born and you see dallas holding the baby and john wayne's just staring at her like yeah you're next like (laughs) (laughs) you're next you're you're you want a baby yourself because uh i'm i'm ready and willing we already got a doctor here Oh, uh, so I had like another Wikipedia moment. <laughs> it's when Dallas is, is talking about losing her parents, mm-hmm. and uh, she, she referenced uh, the massacre at Superstition Mountain. So, uh, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> let me get that open real quick. Um, they referred to it as the Peralta Massacre. Uh, so, this was an alleged killing of uh, a Mexican family by Apaches in about 1848. So, um, that's, it it was like a nickname, Superstition Mountains. This is, um, had like gold mines and stuff. Yeah. And, um. It was out in, uh, I think it's in Arizona, that those, those mountain peaks or whatever. Yeah. Superstition Mountain. Sounds about right. So that was a little. Yeah. it, It was interesting how they would throw in. You know, most people today wouldn't know anything about it, but um, I'm sure people in 1939 kind of, you know, that was still relatively fresh history, you know? So I'm sure they were probably like, oh, yeah, I I remember Remember that. I remember that, you know? So she, Dallas, grew up without a family, and John Wayne grew up with... With his father and and brother dying essentially, so they had that connection. Like, uh, yeah, they could bond. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and then John Wayne had been in jail, so he had no idea what uh, type of profession Dallas was in. So he he also couldn't understand why everyone was like so just dismissive of her all the time, you know. And yeah. Not calling her a lady or a ma'am or anything like that. Like, yeah, that hasn't been very strange for him to like wrap his head around. Yeah, but they, and of course, uh, 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 the banker is is ready to go. 
Um, as soon as the baby's born, he's like, Hey, yeah. All right. That's great. Now let's, let's move this along. I need to get, I need to be somewhere, you know? And, um, he, he, um, the, the other thing is, is he knows that the lines are cut for, you know, telegrams, the wire and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, with those extreme close-ups, you could tell, and with him being so eager to get to to Lordsburg, you could tell he's up to something, some kind of tomfoolery yeah, himself. Nefarious. And, like, just him not caring at all about, you know, the health of the baby or the mother, it, it, that, like, solidifies things, too, to where you're like, all yeah, right, like, this, this guy what's, what What's <laughs> going on? <clears throat> and... Peacock would in, intervene, and he's like, um, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, start anything or anything like that, but um, it is, it is, I've had, I've had five children. Well, that is to say my wife has had five children, you know, and he's, he ends up just being like, I, I agree with Doc Boone, we should stay another day, you know, to help her get her rest and everything. But um, that's the scene or that's that's the area where John Wayne decides, well, I'll I'll just leave and I won't get my revenge and me and Dallas will ride off into the sunset, but he can't because that's when he sees the, the smoke signals yeah. and realizes that like, oh well, I can't leave now because uh I would die very, very quickly. So, um, is it at this point that they, they leave and they arrive to like the ferry and they find out that that place has been like burned down, I guess, by the Apaches? Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, you know, Apaches were pretty much, it seems like they were always kind of stalking them or scouting them, you know? And, um, so I don't know if they had like, had done it for the stagecoach or just done it in general, but yeah, they they need to get to this ferry. Slow them down a bit. Yeah, and um, and of course the ferry's broken and everything's burned down, and so they have to cross this river. And a, a couple of notes I had on it when we just watched it, I'm like that that was pretty uh like a pretty brilliant idea to put those logs on the side of the stagecoach mm-hmm. so it can float across. I thought that was cool, and then John Ford's like just awesome like director skills showing here like the the camera angle i thought was awesome like showing it like almost like pov style like from the stage on top of the stagecoach yeah i was really impressed to see that kind of like uh that kind of film shot like in 1939 right yeah uh that was really cool it kind of immersed you into crossing that river Mm -hmm. and they're they're yeah i I always the I remember thinking that too the first time when when I rewatched it not uh, a few weeks ago and just going like man that that had to have been a a tough shot to film too mm-hmm. you know because <laughs> don't want to get the camera wet <laughs> yeah exactly but um so they 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 end up getting getting across and everything but the in the apaches they end up catching up with the stagecoach of course because it's you know they're they're on single horses and stagecoaches you know a stagecoach it's a little bit slower yeah but um so they're they're 
starting this whole firefight. And, you know, that scene is also crazy good, especially that just the action of it, like where they're, the Indians are chasing them and. Well, I had flipping <laughs> off of their horses and all that kind of stuff. You before, know? I mean, the shot before that though uh, really showed the the music, the musical score change because like you had you had the Geronimo and his and his homies uh-huh. like up on the on the mountain. They're looking on, so it's, it's it pans over to the stagecoach. It's funny. It's like nice, you know, like happy music, and then it jerks over to them. Like yeah. So like, and it did it a couple of times back and forth. It was like. Pretty funny. It was you always knew something bad was going to happen. Yeah, when, when like you heard, the music, heard that music controlled your emotions. You felt <laughs> yeah. And um, but they catch up with them, and there's this huge firefight, and so there's like, you know, they have to carry Mallory out, like, and put her into the stagecoach when they leave because she's still weak from you know having a baby, and um, can barely even hold it and stuff like that. And they're rushing, and they still get caught by the Apaches. And um, that whole sequence of scenes was just amazing. Like, uh, there was one where an Apache jumps on the the team of horses to try to, like, slow them down, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, John Wayne's on top of the stagecoach just sniping people. Left you can, and right. You can do that in Red Dead Redemption too. You can jump <laughs> over to other horses. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but John Wayne, like they they tell him. I mean, there's other people there all around, but they tell John Wayne, "Hey, you're you're the best shot. So kill this guy," and he ends up shooting him. But that whole scene. So there's what six horses pulling that stagecoach, mm-hmm. and this. This guy who's playing an Apache gets shot down and drops to the ground while the horses and the stagecoach are moving past him. And he ends up, like, surviving the whole thing somehow, you know. And um, there, was some, there was some really good stunt work, for sure, in that, in that scene. Oh, yeah. And we, uh, we were looking at that. That one uh, commenter on IMDb mentioned that basically Raiders of the Lost Ark... Uh, yeah, uh-huh. that, that's that stunt was kind of pulled from Stagecoach, right? I thought that was that was a that was a FF. That was a fun fact, mm-hmm. and it it's um that that might be one of the best. Well, it's like the best action scene of the entire movie for sure, and it's it's fairly long. It's a couple of minutes long, and it's like I said, it, it's just oh, and I, oh when when you think about it. It's 1939, yeah. and they're doing this kind of stuff. I was wondering, and I had asked you, like, if if they used a stunt double, and you you mentioned that no, that John Wayne, or like I guess early John Wayne, did yeah. his own stunts, right? Yeah, but I I don't know if that was John Wayne or not, but I mean John Wayne started out as like a stunt man almost, and like a B movie actor, but um, I'm not sure if that was him or not Which, on jump because basically. He has to then go and jump onto the horses and like kind of steer the whole the whole thing. But um, if you if you if you like uh, you know Western you know, stuntmen once once upon a time in Hollywood, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta watch that one. Brad Pitt's like a Western stuntman. Oh yeah, or stunt double. 
Yeah, it's on the to-do list for sure. <laughs> I know. I keep, I keep like, <laughs> I'm going on and on about that movie, but but um, <clears throat> they get down to like their last bullet. You know, uh, Doc. They're all shooting people, and Doc ends up um, just going, "Hey, um, more ammunition." So Doc asks for more ammunition and Curly's all out. Everyone is out and and um but the Indians are still coming and attacking them and it looks like they're they're done for basically. And lo and behold the cavalry comes back and they end up chasing off all the Apaches and, and everything and like the day is saved by the this cavalry that is just seems to be like, yeah, we just do whatever whenever we want to, kind of. The cavalry coming and going as they please kind of remind me of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> how he would just show up right uh-huh. at the, yeah, you know, the exact. Oh, point. how convenient, Gandalf! Thank you for showing up. <laughs> and um, one thing when I was watching this movie, I was constantly conf- so. Something I'm going to work on really hard with this podcast is nailing down character names. <laughs> That's something I'm like kind of bad at, but I, I really, am, as we do these episodes, I'm going to pin down the cast, character names, all that stuff. Um, but one one observation I had was that I was confusing Buck and Curly. And here's oh, why. Yeah. Because Curly is a goofy, you know, Three Stooges <laughs> name. And that feel like, it feels like that name suited Buck yeah, uh-huh. better. And then you, were, I think you were saying uh, mm-hmm. Buck is a better sh- like sheriff. Yeah, right? like I, I feel like it's Sheriff Buck. You know. Yeah. Like that. That w- that's the only real big criticism I would say of this entire film is they got they got the names wrong. Yeah. On on that front. Yeah. And maybe not call Ringo Kid the Ringo Kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I get it. Like the whole Billy the Kid thing is like just a nickname. Yeah. Oh, uh, so Hatfield, like things were looking dire. Mm-hmm. So he he was about to like shoot Miss Mallory. <laughs> um, she he didn't want her to yeah be taken by those by the, the those savages those savages because um, I'm sure they treated the ladies very poorly. <laughs> not not gonna not gonna be vulgar to detail. <laughs> Yeah, this is not that kind of podcast, but <laughs> um. but um, in that sequence too, like they they find out that they've finally been, um, you know, caught up with by the by the Apaches when Peacock gets an arrow in yep. like his shoulder, an arrow, yep, and uh, I think Gatewood starts freaking out and and Doc Boone has to punch him. That's right. He's like, uh, let me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, come on, guy, you know. Um, but, and then Hatfield, right before he he kills Miss Mallory, you just hear a gunshot. Like, it's it's more great uh, camera work, too, because all you see is this gambler's pistol, and it's pointed at Mallory's head. And then you hear a shot. And then the gun like falls out of his hand, and he's he has been shot. Hatfield has been shot. So Hatfield, uh, so Hatfield dies. He didn't make it, but Peacock was okay. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, 
That okay. that would Doc was very very. Oh loud. yeah, <laughs> he he like as soon as Peacock got hit, like Doc Boone's on him oh, and he's God. pulling out the arrow and he's like trying to fix things up for him to to save him. He's like. Not my whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, this human. This, this man's, yeah, this man needs to survive. <laughs> and um, so, so they finally. Are we in Lordsburg at this Yeah, they, they finally make it back into the town of Lordsburg, you know, with the with the help of the cavalry. And there's something to, um, Hatfield says something like, uh, his whole character really deserves like a deep dive the more I think about it because yeah. like origin it, story yeah like what where did he come from like you knew because he had apparently shot someone in the back before John Wayne uh, makes some kind of allegation hmm. about gentlemen shooting people in the back type of deal when he 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 calls himself a gentleman or whatever <laughs> And the Ringo kids, like, there's a lot of gentlemen that shoot people in the back. And just one thing you never do, it's you never shoot someone in the back. And yeah. That's, that's like a running theme throughout all of John a, Wayne's westerns. That's, you know? a disgra- that's like, a, you know, a disgraceful way to... You're you're yellow. You're a coward if you <laughs> yeah, do that. Yellow. And, um... But he ends up saying at the very end... um Tell Judge, whoever, whatever the guy's name was, and then he dies, and you're like, tell him, tell him what? Come on. So that that's that's a little like cliffhanger that that could use another deep dive within itself. But um, yeah, they make it into Lordsburg, and people are still like, hey Ringo, you're not you're not gonna make it. Don't don't try to go. <laughs> To the to the plumber boys, you're 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 uh, you're doomed. But they're they're gonna kill you. You so know, like but ultimately though, Curly is like, I'll allow it. Yeah, and he's like, <clears throat> you know, go handle your business. But, uh-huh. but also, you're still under arrest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he did the old, uh, you know, everybody was out of ammunition, and but Ringo Kid was just like. I lied to you again, Curly. I still got three bullets, and he had them. He's keeping them on, on his hat, you know. We've got one for each plumber. Which is kind of like, that means they are always on his mind, in a way. That's like some, <laughs> that's a deep dive right there. I like that. Um, <clears throat> so, they go into town, and like people see that Ringo Kid is there, and... um and you know they're helping out Peacock and uh, Buck got shot too there at the end as well. So Ringo mm-hmm. is 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 driving it in while while Buck is like nursing his wound, and um, they see that the Ringo kid is here, so they start spreading the word, mm-hmm. and it reaches Luke or Jake Plummer, who's like the the main plumber boy he's the one that earlier in the film buck said like he's he saw jake plumber hit a guy with the butt of his rifle and it like split his head open or something like that so yeah yeah and it, it was funny too because so like you know 
word was getting through town and like the news it, it gets to like to the local newspaper and they're like all right print it you know, you know like print this and and total total amount dead we'll leave that blank yeah. for now uh-huh. we'll see yeah. they're like let's see what's happening uh-huh. like, but even they said something like live. um <laughs> plumber boys kill ringo kid or something like like even they were like oh, yeah, yeah this, this dude's not gonna he, there's no chance yeah. you know and um they also so uh ringo kid is walking dallas back back to where she kind of lives and he finally realizes kind of why people were treating her so poorly because she's a hula. <laughs> but she was a hula. <laughs> but um he still doesn't care. He's like, well, I told you that I would marry you and that like we're going to be together and all this kind of stuff. So real stand-up guy. That's a real pretty woman type moment right there for <laughs> for John Wayne and um, solid reference. <laughs> yeah, he he uh he he pretty woman Dallas pretty pretty good there. Um but you know, he he at the same time he just goes, "All right, wait here cuz I got I got some business <laughs> to take care of. So Jake Plummer gets his, sends out the word to get his brothers and his brothers come and they're all like getting ready to, for the face off and they're having a little shot of whiskey and everything. And Jake asks for a shotgun and Doc Boone s- steps aside and is like, you're not using the shotgun. Which I guess would make sense, like, you know, scatter and s- sprays so you have a larger target area with everything. But, um, you know, he wanted it, it was already unfair. And then for him to grab a shotgun would made it, would have made it even, yeah, even more, yeah. more unfair. But the guy who played. Because John Wayne had the, the, his rifle. Right, yeah. Right? And three bullets. He he like could not miss. Um otherwise he was dead. So it was like the odds were not in his favor in not any kind of way. Three three to one. But the guy who played Jake Plummer was uh Tom Tyler and he was like an old silent film star and um it it was really good casting on that part too because he doesn't have a whole lot of um, like lines in the movie, but they do a lot of close-up work with him too, and like you see his facial expressions and everything like that. Which, and, which, I'm, which it looks like he had with silent film. You got to really dial that in. Yeah, seems like he did. So he um, Buck ends up coming into the bar where they're at and says. Um, you know, Ringo's going to be here in six or seven minutes. And then he immediately runs out. <laughs> he, like, like, doesn't want any I'm, part of I'm any of this. i be here for that. <laughs> and um, so they start getting to the showdown there. And another great scene where they're, the plumber boys are walking out and they hear a cat, like cut across the the street or whatever and one of them tries to shoot it and misses it and the other brother's like huh, you missed him from four feet away <laughs> <coughs> so 
So that's probably a bad omen for them if yeah. they can't. Yeah, they can't even hit a cat. Yeah. And um, so they they start walking, and they finally meet up with with Ringo, and you know it's the classic Western, you know, showdown type thing. And um, they just about stop, and they're just looking at each other, and then John Wayne drops to the ground, and all you just hear is gunfire at that mm-hmm. point, and Dallas can hear it, and she's like, oh, no, my my precious Ringo kid. It's not clear exactly who's dead, how many are dead, did he make it, did he not? <clears throat> and this, I mean, this was a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. So it... It opens with like uh, Luke Plummer's. He's he's getting he's going into the bar, and he's like taking he's walking he's taking a few steps, and for a second there I thought oh no, he met you know he he was still alive he he killed the Ringo kid but then he he dropped he dropped dead after a few steps yeah. I was like man that was that was just enough steps for me to be like oh, you got me uh huh yeah gotcha, <laughs> and um that that was that was a great great scene too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, Ringo Kid survives it all and everything, and Dallas runs over to him, and, you know, he's like, hey, Doc, can you make sure that Dallas gets to my place? I'm going to, I'll see her in a year. I'm about to go to jail here, and um, Curly's there, too, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem, and, and, um, you know, Curly's like, well, I got to take him to jail now and everything. And um, they ask Dallas, well, do you want to ride with with Ringo for a little while? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. And they end up, like, just letting them leave, you know. So it's some pretty classic vigilante justice in, in the it's, movie. It's it's lenient law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, uh, you, you seem okay, you, you crazy kids. It's kind of not the best message. Like he he escaped from jail and then he murdered three people, <laughs> and then he gets to. I mean, it was justified. It was justified. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and um, and then he gets to uh, ride off into the sunset with the the prettiest gal in town and live, you know, start their life together. So it's happily ever after. Yeah, and it it's almost like. Um, <clears throat> A couple of years later, there was a scene in Casablanca at the end of the movie where it's like, you know, this it's uh, this looks like the start of a beautiful friendship is like the last part of that movie. And it's kind of that way with with Curly and Doc, you know, they're they're just standing there laughing and smiling and they're like proud of themselves. Oh, yeah. They did they did such a good Good deed and all this kind of stuff. We're friends now, best friends, BFFs, and um, they go to close the movie. Curly goes, "Well, uh, Doc, I'll I'll buy you a drink." And Doc goes, "Just one." And then they start laughing again. And so, oh, oh, Doc, we know you're not going to drink just one. It it kind of in a way remind like I'm sure like. Uh, Quentin Tarantino kind of based some of the Hateful Eight off of Stagecoach. Had to because like you have all these people in close quarters that mm-hmm. are so like 
Uh, there's so much conflict. Opposite. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the concept of the hateful eight. Mm-hmm. Um, with a with a um, with the same goal in mind, you know. But. That this this whole movie, you know, with that, it's so. You know, it's not the f- first western, and it's not the first western to have you know, uh, outlaw vigilante hero type guy, and uh, you know, like all these things had been done before, but this kind of like was the Godfather of westerns. So they had. Everything they had the the nerdy guy who isn't really a cowboy. They had the drunk. They had the the John Wayne type character outlaw, the yeah. Duke or whatever. You know, just some big cowboy guy who you know has his has a moral compass that he always follows. You know, and you know the hooker with the heart of gold and like the the gambler and like. Everything is in this movie, and you you see that going forward with westerns from this point of it's like, a perfect recipe. <laughs> yeah, it, so people had, had picked from from this movie um, ever since then. I mean, it's it's not just influential in the the western genre. It's 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 influential like in all movies, honestly. And um, but yeah. Like I said, it, it, to to me, it's like the Godfather of of westerns, and it's one of the best best ones out there. Um, it was the best western, like the hotel. That's <laughs> <laughs> where they got their name from. <laughs> they were big John Ford and John Wayne fans. That's what we're gonna need sponsorship for. Uh, Man, for cinema at the OK uh-huh. Corral, best western. Pay pay me, holla holla <laughs> at your boys. <laughs> Um, well, do we want to talk about the uh, rating system? Yeah. So yeah. the rating system, and you came up with this. It was a great idea. Let me let me make sure I understand it first, though. So I'm going to try to explain it, and you tell me where I'm wrong. So the rating system is going to be one six-shooter shot in the air, two six-shooter shots in the air, and as a bonus, a flip into the, uh, <laughs> into the holster. Right, yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. So you get either... <laughs> One gun or two guns firing, you know, like two thumbs up. Yep. Siskel and Ebert, except for ours, are are six shooters. <laughs> and if it's really good, then you get them. Uh, you you get the a twirl going into the holster. If it's just good, but you know not great, then they just casually just put it back just in the holster slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I like it and. I don't know. For me, this one's definitely uh, uh, two two six shooters way up, and at least like a little bit of a of a twirl. It, it may not be a full on like Annie Oakley gun show spin of the guns, but it, it's they, it's got a little bit of it anyway. You know, it. This one was um, that seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so I, yeah, I, I give it. Uh, two guns, and I will politely and gingerly holster my weapons. <laughs> we um, no twirl on this one, but that's that's not uh, you know. It was a great movie. Yeah, I mean, if you get if you got two of them, if you got both of them shooting, that that's that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we did it. <laughs> Episode one, though. Um, 
So we'll, uh, I guess maybe put, maybe what we could do is a, a, a trailer advertising the next like film that we're going to do. We don't have that. You have it figured out, but I, uh, I don't know. We're yeah. going to do another one. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely be doing another one and, um, uh, be on the lookout for it. It'll, it'll be, we'll probably do a trailer like in the next week or, well, once, once we put this, once we get all this up. We're gonna put a um, a trailer up like maybe the week after, um, whenever I remember which which movie it is. Yeah, um, you had sent me a list, but it's buried in. <laughs> I think I I think I wrote it down somewhere, um, but I can't remember now due to uh, uh, brain. Can't brain too hard. But. Um, yeah, so we've got like five or six already planned out. So, um, you know, like I said, keep on the watch for the next trailer and hope you enjoyed our first episode. And we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.